0: This is an ABC podcast. What's the name of the fashion store where the two sisters work together? Is it Brine or... Um, <laughs> I can't...
1: Brine. I that c- would be so like,
0: perfect. The liquid in a tuna can. I brine. can't remember. Um, it's something like that or twine or...
1: I don't nah, know. Br- it's definitely Brine. <laughs>
0: Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. Nice to see you again. Great to see you too. Yeah. Big week. Was it? I'm not even sure. (laughs) No, there's a lot going on in the world. It's, it's, It's a bit of a struggle reading the news at the moment, I'm finding.
1: Which is maybe why we're looking to TV to escape. And it was being a big week for Netflix because after many, many months of divisive commentary about even the announcement of the first ever Australian Commission show, Byron Bay's. it has landed. Now, we're going to get to that in a minute. Not the first ever Australian Commission
0: reality TV show. I think you're forgetting. No, for Netflix, I mean. Oh, for Netflix. Damn, I thought you were just – I thought you, you were forgetting. Are, as if
1: I would ever challenge your knowledge of Australian reality I thought reality you were forgetting TV. Sylvania
0: Waters and, of course, <laughs> Being Lara Bingle, which – RIP. <laughs>
1: what a great couple of series. <laughs>
0: What a great couple of series. But yes, we're going to be discussing Byron Bay's because if you didn't know about it, then where have where on earth have you been?
1: Yeah, exactly. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, before we did, there was actually a timely article in The Guardian this week. Nancy mm. Jo Sales has written about a couple of other shows about, I guess, kind of reality, but not necessarily really about scammers, mm. Inventing Anna, which is the Anna Delvey story that is one of the most successful shows in Netflix's history, and The Tinder Swindler. Yes, and I've that got we a, talked about a few weeks we ago. We did,
0: and I've got another one to add to that list, which is uh, apparently excellent viewing. And I'm not sure if you're across. The story, which is real. Um, the television show is called The Dropout, and it's about the founder of Theranos, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Holmes, Holmes yeah. played by Amanda Seafried. Mm. Um, and apparently, it's brilliant television. She, too, set up a scam in Silicon Valley whereby she she offered a, a medical solution to a huge problem, which is diagnosing um, diseases through just a simple pinprick of blood, which would, would save an awful lot of time. Yeah,
1: you don't have to give a awful lot, lot of money. And, 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 and would provide tests. sort of
0: equity in the healthcare system around the world it would have been a huge development was actually all a scam. Yeah. So there's that one to add to the list too. We
1: seem to have a real hunger for it. Why do we fall for TV scammers is the title of this piece and one of the key things that it sort of talks about is that these shows reflect the unreality of the world that has normalized fakeness. Mm. You know, it's like why do we why do we love or love to hate scammers? What is it about this point in history and One of the things that Nancy Jo says is that we've kind of missed the heart of the matter, whether we like it or not. Social media has turned us all into scammers of varying degree, as well as victims of the constant scam. Being perpetrated on us by tech companies. We're living in the age of the scam. So this idea of presenting our lives online is always a version of our lives. Mm. It's often highly curated, often highly filtered. Yeah. And it's really becoming more and more normalized that this is how we share information a- a- and content. Mm. And most of us are indulging in fake news about ourselves in a fairly constant basis, she says, in the form of these doctored pictures, staged yeah. moments, you know, overblown announcements about our lives. It's kind of this want to live beyond what we actually, the reality that we do
0: live in. Um, Just to take a sidestep, I think we should all just go back to having that annual Christmas letter where we talk about what's happened in the year. Did you ever do and that? And that'll do, no, but <laughs> my mum does it and I've got another a few other like Sorry, older friends who do it. it and I think that's great. That's enough. You know, fuck putting ourselves up on social media and and showing off our our lives and, you know, telling these stories that that may be true but are are half-truths as well.
1: Let's just go back to the Christmas letter. But there's this pressure, isn't there? There's this pressure to keep up with what other people are doing and even if we can see that it's bullshit, you still look at these things and go, you know, there's something in you that it just tugs at. It's like, why don't I have that? Should I be sharing something of myself? I've got to kind of keep up. I know not all of us do this, but I've felt myself do mm. this as well. It's like, oh, I've got to post something I haven't posted in a while. All of that stuff. And a lot of it is about, particularly when she's talking about these shows, Inventing Anna, The Tinder Swindler, um, you know, The the Theranos Story, Elizabeth Holmes. They were all about accumulation of wealth and lifestyle yes. at their core And that was very much tied into this this drive that we had of material wealth, which is the cornerstone of what influencer culture is. Mm. It's about the things that you have. It's about the beauty that you have. And all of that is tied into something that only a small portion of society can have because of, you know, affordability. It's about
0: monetizing your life. And those who are successful at monetizing their life, as in their brand, their persona, their personhood, whatever, that's what it is essentially. And it's very difficult to do if you're not... Necessarily, uh, well-educated, privileged, or a scammer, <laughs> or a scammer. Yeah, exactly. So but you'll even find that the scammers are generally very well-educated. Ed- they may not be privileged, but they, you know, there's a level of education. Or there, they're smart, that they're a, and on they the base have smarts, have clever, have smarts to be able to to delve into the worlds and and focus on people's insecurities in order to to take them up. The other implication of of living these lives. The way that we do online is that it creates this vicious circle. It also ties into the Kim Kardashian reality TV figures, and watching these shows, we've discussed it, leads us leads us to feeling low self esteem in in the knowledge that you'll never be that affluent, you'll never be that beautiful, I'll and never have a
1: beige house, and never
0: have a beige house because my god. My dog would walk through that in a second and be, everything would be over. There'd be paws on everything. The cat would do a poo on a rug. <laughs> like there's no point. I can't live like that because there is literally no point. However, it it has especially affected apparently um, vulnerable younger younger kids and and that decrease in self-esteem actually seems to feed a stronger thirst to try and achieve this lifestyle more. And, and that's where the problem lies, it says. Um she she mentions a study a 2019 study that reported that Gen Z considers wealth and fame even more important to their lives than millennials who've long been the poster children. Social media isn't a full show
1: of life, but it is shaping our lives. It's changing yeah. who we are.
0: It's interesting though that with these swindler shows and scammer shows and the obsession with it. It's very much an ancient tale and and that is uh, like I think about tales that have been with us and and stories that have been told about us for a long time. Robin Hood, you steal from the rich and give to the poor. The interesting moment that we are in in history now is that we are creating these characters or these characters exist in our worlds that are stealing from the rich Mm. essentially but they're not paying the poor. So there's something that's dropped off completely in what is a very ancient tale that we've been telling ourselves for thousands and thousands of years. So, and it's interesting that quite often too, these scammers are now seen as the underdogs of, of sorts. Really? And yeah, I think some people kind of admire it. I, I get that vibe. Admire like, the hustle. Admire the hustle. And I
1: mean, to me, it's just exhausting. It's capitalism, isn't it? It's kind of the triumph of the individual at, at, at any cost. Yeah. Even if you hurt others, it's like they did it. They got there by whatever means. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. I know. There are a lot of influencers who have made their name as influencers on Byron Bays. I don't think I picked up on this necessarily. I thought that there were people who lived in Byron, had things going on, oh. and sort of posted about their life and became influencers because of that. But it seems to be very concerted. I'm an influencer, and that is my job in this mm. cast of Byron Bays, which kicked off last night on Netflix. I was actually checking because I wanted to watch as much as I could before Bang On Today and it didn't bloody come on the the streamer until about seven o'clock. So I only watched one episode because I am a nana that, that goes to bed early. Um, but if you're listening on Thursday, it's just dropped now. And oh my, it is a glorious hate watch, isn't it? I'm in. I never thought I'd be in, but I'm in. Uh, I, I have so many feelings and they're
0: really conflicted. Um, I, as you know, I love reality TV. Mm. I love trash, but I think I like reality TV when it's not reality TV, that it is is created in parts of the world that I know and understand or have spent a lot of time in. Interesting. Suffice to say I've spent a lot of time in LA and I still watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills <laughs> occasionally and I don't <laughs> mind that. But that's also a type of person that would not be in my world as well. Mm. Insanely wealthy. It's it's just a world that, that, that is not mine. And I, I guess having spent so much time over the years in Byron Bay, it, it, it I can't divorce my understanding of the, the world that I know of that place and the world that is being portrayed in this television series, not to say that that's a bad thing. I the two that,
1: worlds exist though, I would argue. Yeah, and, they you do. Know, I don't live in Byron Bay and I know a lot of residents of Byron Bay have a real issue with this show and rightly so. But I would argue that, that, that world that you understand and the world that is being presented on mm. screen, both of them in reality exists in Byron. Absolutely. Byron. I mean, there's a,
0: (laughs) what's the name of the fashion store where the two sisters work together? Is it Brine or? um, (laughs)
1: I can't. Brine. That would be so perfect. The liquid in a tuna can. I can't remember. Um, It's something like that or twine or I don't know. It's definitely Brine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. It's something else. But uh, it's. Like, you know, I'd go into those shops and I know that I'd just walk out in a second because I would be made to feel so unwelcome because they don't want, you know, short round ladies in there. They they want a certain type of person. You also don't really wear
1: much white or beige, so you <laughs> wouldn't find anything that you like. But I do
0: love linen. Um, we're talking about people that monetize their lives too, and that's something I've never been able to do. I mean, I don't know how many times I've mentioned Crocs on this show and still... <laughs> Crickets, I get nothing, I get nothing. We've never received a free pair of Crocs. It's also the ABC, we couldn't (laughs) accept them. However, you know, like it is a skill to be an influencer and I do think that this show will hopefully do some sort of exploration of that because going into when I did I'm a Celeb, get me out of here with Mm -hmm. Charlotte, Mm -hmm. who is, was um, Geordie Shaw, but she's, she's, her life is as an influencer. Yeah. And it's freaking hard work. Did you talk to her a lot about that? Totally, totally. And the way that they work hard, like it's not, it's not just, you know, going off and going off to a launch and tanning. I mean, they, they do do that, but. It's, it's just a lot of really annoying and tedious work. It's
1: also living your life online and that changes. Couldn't think of anything worse. That changes your brain in terms of what you actually experience. And you know, you would, I'm imagining always be experiencing something thinking, I need to experience it in this way or live in this way because Mm. it's content. Like there's no, there's no freedom of just letting yourself go and being in the moment. You're constantly Mm. thinking about how that moment is then going to be broadcast to people through any number of social media things. But. I guess in terms of Byron Bayes specifically, I think that they capture that, and again, not not all parts of Byron, but some parts of Byron, you know, that that material wealth posing as spirituality is a really mm. big part of that first episode. Oh, goodness me. You know, when- people who present as inc- like really grounded but are actually incredibly shallow and just flighty, <laughs> and just, and you can see right through it, you know, I mean- and it's funny and, and anyone with half a half a brain would be like, can see absolutely right through that. And I find that compelling. I can't yeah. look away. Oh, well, the casting is actually really
0: good. If you're looking for those kind of characters, you know, the kooky spiritualist who's in probably insanely wealthy, who really, you know, comes from a place that you, you just go, you can only be like this because you are insanely wealthy. Mm. Like that is that is going to be an amazing character to watch come to life. Or she is going to be an amazing character. Like when she received her <laughs> pink crystal that lit up mm. as a gift um, at from Jade. The, at the Jade's white, my favourite character, the by the way. At the white party. Mm. Like, you know, who has a white party? Rich any, people. Anymore. I mean, already. And having a sound bath for guests. Rich people with a lifetime supply of preen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sound bath for guests when they arrive. Like, I've had a sound bath once and I'd just come back from Mexico and I was so tired from partying so hard. You I had a in, snore, didn't you? I had a sleep. <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. But these guys, like the seriousness with which some people take it, I, I actually think these things can work as therapies. But sometimes I think, you know, when spirituality is, is co-opted in such a way that you see it being done on Byron Bays when you really do question the levels of spirituality. Mm. Um, yeah, that that is indeed funny. And there's one character, as you said, who, who laughs through it and um, it's it's got all the elements. I think I could love it. Are you going to watch it? I, I don't think I'm going to watch it with Interest, but it's definitely one I watch just you know in the background. It's it's that kind of show. Like I I hope the relationships develop a little bit beyond such and such was a bitch and um, didn't invite me to dinner, and therefore there's a rift in our in our community, which is very spiritual and and loving and kind, yeah. and yet <laughs> fuck you if you don't ask me out for dinner. <laughs> like there's a real petty breakdown yeah. of friendships. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just uh, – i I'm in two camps. I'm definitely in two camps. Like I, I love reality TV. I will watch this and I will watch it with interest. I, I, I hope the relationships develop and the characters come out to be a little
1: bit m- more perhaps um, interesting mm. rather
0: than just kind of stereotypes at this point.
1: Yeah, I want to see more from them. I probably will watch it more. It's shot really beautifully and I think that um, Carl Quinn, who's a TV reviewer, Reviewed it in the nine newspapers this morning. Mm. From the review, I can see that he's watched more than episode one. And he said, described it as real housewives meets Lux Listings meets Maps. And so you are absolutely going to watch it all, <laughs> Miff. You say you won't, but you are going to be glued on your couch oh, and watching it all. I know me, you and you know me. How, I'll finish it. I've started the first episode. I've got uh, to finish how it. How many episodes are there? I
0: think like eight, six or eight. Oh, that's good. That's a, that's a trip. That's an airplane ride and we can fly again. Let's so go to Byron. More. Okay, that sounds... Namaste. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Hashtag blessed.
1: One thing I won't be watching because I will, if I start watching it, have to finish it, you know me, um, is the dramatic adaptation of Tiger King that's come to stand. Mm. And I I don't know if I knew that this was happening. Kate McKinnon plays Carol Baskin. John Cameron Mitchell plays Joe, the Tiger King. And... I was like, why are they doing this? Because, first of all, it totally reminds me of the start of the pandemic when we all watched it and then felt, frankly, fleeced by the end of it because it didn't really resolve a lot of stuff. But maybe that's the reason that they made this because this is apparently supposed to be a bit more of an exploration of Carol's story, which wasn't really fully told. And as you know, there was a lot of things left unresolved. Oh, absolutely. Like the the, the potential murder of the husband Yeah. (laughs) That's... That was a rather oh, huge and Carl McLaughlin plays her husband, which is like I
0: could watch him any day. See, that was anything. also a tipping
1: over point. I don't think I will watch it, but it's interesting that they're exploring Carol's story, which hasn't been told, and also I didn't realize it was shot in Queensland. Oh, you're right.
0: Actually, at the time when uh, all of those productions were being made in Australia,
1: yeah, and all of Hollywood was here.
0: That's right, which we spoke of last week. What do you mean? When Tom Hanks gave Richard Wilkins covid. <laughs>
1: see, see Tiger King and Tom Hanks giving Richard Wilkins covid, which is not fact, but we'll just say it anyway, uh, allegedly was um, that was the start of the pandemic. It I don't really want to was. go back there. And
0: my, I don't and that is why I will not watch this show. Yeah. I don't and normally I would. It's got me written all over it. <laughs> but if you want to watch
1: it it is out now on Stan. Okay. Now, is International Women's Day this week, Miff. Yes. Happy IWD. Happy IWD. And I think a lot of
0: people have turned on the idea of companies putting on breakfasts for women on International Women's Day, because if you're a woman and you're working and you may or may not have children, but regardless, how easy is it to get to a breakfast at 7am? Not very. Um, So I think people have turned on that idea, I've noticed, and morning teas, celebrating corporations. well, corporations celebrating the contribution of the women in their workforces, I think think the tide has turned on those kind of things too. There's a lot of very different focus on on many other and bigger issues. Yeah, well, people actually want
1: to see systemic change and there was a great little gender pay gap bot that was tweeting oh, out on pure the day. joy. It was all based in the UK <laughs> because I didn't realise this, but in the UK, if you're a company that employs 250 people or more, you have to report how much you pay your staff, mm-hmm. specifically around gender pay gap, you know, discrepancies. And um, so that information is found. So if you're a company that has, you know, as most companies do, staff of all genders, then you have to report what, you know, they get on average and this bot was basically retweeting any company that did a, you know, heartfelt, happy International <laughs> Women's Day with, this company has a 38% difference in the what they pay men and women. And I was just like, yes. And that's kind of the feeling, isn't it? I feel like, I don't know about you, but, you know, as always on Double J and Triple J and Unearthed, we played all women all day, which is fantastic mm. and always happy to do that. But I felt like International Women's Day this year was a little bit different and a bit a part of me was kind of like frustrated and tired and angry that we have to continually have this day which is I would argue still and should be more of a protest mm. than a celebration. Mm. But why are we still doing this? Why do we still have to that you we talk about it, you know, this fatigue of having to fight for basic equalities. That you should be expected. Why is this happening? And that's, I kind of felt different this year. And I think that that's largely because also the last year, more than any year that I can remember in my living memory is we've had the foot on the pedal and these conversations have been, mm. which is fantastic. So in having an International Women's Day, it's just kind of like, yeah, we've been talking about this intensely for the last year. Mm. And it's almost like a reminder of why do we need a day? Why isn't this just part? Why isn't equality part of our yes. normal lives? Yes, but you sent an amazing piece to me, which is um, a lightning rod reminder. Yes, of what that power, that voice, and the representations on International mm-hmm. Women's Day mean for a large portion of our community.
0: Yeah, um, and
1: it's this was an amazing piece. It was an it, it
0: was an amazing piece and a good reminder that. A lot of what we get presented in the media is by people who look, and I'm talking about you and me, Zan, look like us, white, middle-class women. Mm. A lot of a lot of the feminism that we get presented in the media looks like us. Think about Grace Tame, think about Brittany Higgins. And in no way is this any kind of slight on, on anything that they are doing, what they are doing is magnificent and it is powerful and it is strong. And all of those things that are creating great change in this country but this article, um, it's, it's titled Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins are supremely admirable and the acceptable white faces of Australian feminism. And um, I, I just feel like everybody should read this because the author, sisonke C. Meng, um, has in no way criticised either of these figures, Grace or Brittany, and uh, in, in fact says they're extraordinary, which they are, but brings up the idea that anyone else who doesn't look like that... Is quite often considered to be too aggressive. Mm. Their story not as valuable because you know it's it's that whole you can't be what you can't see. You know, people can see themselves in in white white women because the majority of the population in this country is white. There are a lot of other stories that equally need to be do- told, deserve to be told, and deserve to be related to mm. that don't get told and and this is essentially what this article is about it's a it's a real reminder it's a real shake up it's a real um yeah it's a wake up call to all of us to remember when we talk about change let's not forget the people that have been trying to affect change for such a long time um, prior to this within their m- with within a marginalized position in this country
1: that's one of the things that She talks about this representation of of white female anger as authentic and true and acceptable and often that anger expressed by a black female activist is seen as toxic, divisive and polarising. But at the forefront of so many of these arguments and mobilizations um, against systemic inequality have been black women and that's kind of been swept under the carpet. We talk about this great rising and I'll cop it that we've talked about this great uprising, feeling like it's something that we haven't necessarily seen in a while or seen before. But I think that that's largely because it hasn't been reported as clearly because these women have always been there. Mm. She talks about the case of Tanya Day and that her family were confident, beautiful and clear in their storytelling, but the country didn't mobilize to end deaths in custody Nor did they mobilise to put an end to the wanton harassment of Aboriginal women in public spaces, which so often leads to these deaths in custody. You know, there was solid coverage of the case, but it wasn't amplified in the same way as these stories have been of of other white women who have been harassed, abused and and marginalised. And she... She acknowledges the strength of Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and I would also say as a side note at every speech I've ever seen Grace and Brittany do at the forefront of their speech they talk about the people who aren't in the room. Always, always they do. And they point that out and why aren't we seeking out those stories? Do women feel because they've been ostracised in the past for speaking out and labelled as angry, not confident to step up in that same space Mm. and share their story? There are a number of conversations to have around that but as she says in the piece there is no reckoning for Australian women if the media and public aren't able to listen to and relate to the stories of Aboriginal women of women in hijab women whose skin is far too dark and women who live on the wrong side of town who can't go to university and who will never report from parliament or file stories in newsrooms people who don't have this access where Mm -hmm. are their stories being told while black women in this country have always stood at the forefront of struggles for justice and equality, their stories are being ignored in favour of white women who are experiencing that inequality but are getting all the platform and all the attention.
0: Yeah. It was a, like... It's a wake-up call. Yeah, it's a real wake-up call. And um, this line really got me and was a real reminder to me too, of course, the ascendancy of, of f- figures that look like us, essentially, Um, the article says, is indicative of a media and environment that creates darlings based on its own image of itself. And, yeah. We're still there, aren't we? Yep. so much work to do. I'll
1: put that in the show notes. Everyone should read this. Thank you for sharing it with me. Really, really good piece. Yeah. (laughs) What are you banging on about this week?
0: Well, in the spirit of Byron Bays, I would like to raise the tone somewhat. Um, With a glass of Savvy Bee. <laughs> it's only just gone midday. Exactly. Just, no. The time of recording. don't like a grassy Savvy Bee. You know that about me, it? You no, know, neither do I. <laughs> um, I have been following the work of two uh, comedians, writers. You, you'd know their work from... They're freelancers now um, but they also write for television shows like Hard Quiz, Beckshaw. I'm talking about. Mm. Um,
1: Brocklesnitch on Brocklesnitch Twitter, very on Twitter. funny, hilarious, everyone should
0: follow. Always wonderful and um, also Patrick Lenton.
1: Also hilarious. Yeah,
0: also hilarious. And I can't even remember where this article used to come from but it was a recap of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette series and uh, it, it's called All the Heterosexual Nonsense I Was Forced to Endure which because given they're both they're both... queer. Um, they they would write about these shows that that really kind of heroed heterosexual relationships and and write from the perspective of this is just nonsense and it was always a joy to read um and I, I don't know for what reason why it it was discontinued but they decided to set up a Substack which we've discussed in the last couple of weeks <laughs> so you have to pay for these um but Being that's on fine. the
1: cutting edge of. The vibe shift. We can now yeah. talk about Substacks. And, it, and it's
0: great that I haven't subscribed to any kind of deeply intellectual Substacks. This is the, <laughs> only, <laughs> this is the only one. <laughs> and um, and and it was beautiful because they, all the all the heterosexual nonsense I've had to endure. Um, we went through. I think the last series of the Bachelorette with Brooke, so that was really interesting, mm. actually, because Brooke herself is queer, so it, it changed the dynamic somewhat. But then they were both like, "Oh well, what are we gonna?" what are we going to write a recap of next? And they went, and the audience went loudly, maths, married at first sight. Mm. They couldn't cope. They had, <laughs> they had to stop. The heterosexual nonsense was too much and I totally understand because I don't even think I can cope. Um,
1: well, there's a, you know, for the queer community dealing with the fact that, you know, the fight for just getting married to the person you love and then there's a TV show oh, where they don't even meet them before. I know. So It's the, the ultimate diss. <laughs>
0: so they've pulled out they've pulled out of of doing maths which i'm kind of happy for because i think it was exhausting them and wearing them out and and taking the joy out of what is a wonderful thing that they do which is recap television shows in the most delightfully funny and really observant ways. So uh, they have also now, they've now started, they've transitioned from maths to Byron Bay. So they'll be recapping Byron Oh, great. <laughs> well, here we go.
1: Even more reason to watch and play along. Thank but you. But look, and
0: I love the fact too that they're not now tied to a publication whereby if they don't like what they're doing and if it's really making them unhappy, they can just go, we're going to stop this. Yeah.
1: And it's it's kind of sweet. I love it. All and right. I love those two. So. That's a good bang on. I will be watching Byron Bay's and I will be reading those recaps. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: I will bring something a little uh, higher quality to the table next week, though, I Ah. promise.
1: (laughs) Promise. Um, What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a TV show too. Um, I know we've talked a lot about TV this week, but this is something I've been meaning to watch since it dropped in mid-February. It's on Apple TV. It's a show called Severance. Oh,
0: everybody's talking about That's this. why I finally got
1: around to watching it. And yes. it is interestingly directed by Ben Stiller, who I feel like he's stepping further and further back from taking acting roles. Taking away,
0: stepping away from Zoolander. Why would you?
1: Um, <laughs> Adam Scott, who many people would remember as Ben from Parks and Rec, is ah. in the lead role. Patricia Arquette, who I love, is also in it. Christopher Walken just pops up. I didn't realise it was going to be in it. I was like, there he is. And the premise of it is that basically um, it's in an office space in a small town called Lumen Industries and the workers there, their brains, some of them, have been separated. This is the process of severance. So they have a total separation between work and home life and you can't remember the other while you're inside one of them. So when you're at work, you have no idea who you are outside of work (laughs) to the point where you don't, like it just feels like you're constantly at work when you're there but you know that you've rested and slept and you've had this other life but you go in this elevator and it just melts away your life. And then you're in this other life. So you're living. I, lo- I love loves. that idea,
0: though. The you, work-life balance is truly separated. You don't have to talk
1: about work. <laughs> and they talk about, yeah, they talk about being, you know, the the life that they've got as an innie or an outie. So when they're in the workplace or an outie, not a belly outside. button, no. <laughs> so it's ta- obviously taking this idea of work-life balance to a whole new level. Something that we talk about, and there's mm. think pieces on, in f- you know, for days. But also, you know, there's subtly c- conversations and frankly, existential crises going on in my head at the same time about like what is it that makes you who you are, um, you know, and, and what's free will if you're kind of, if you think about it, your free will has been taken away for half of your life because you sort of don't know what's going on even though you're in it. You don't have the context of what's happening outside of it. There's a lot going on. It's also really sharp and very funny. And the other part of it, I guess the kind of fun bit that's going to progress the narrative is that there is a worker, PD who is no longer there and he's gotten out and he's reintegrated his work and home brain and he knows something that Lumen Industries is is up to. And Patricia Arquette plays the boss who hasn't been gone through the process of severance. Right. And she's a little bit, you know, there's some – to overtones of evil there Ooh. but it looks beautiful like it's all in this kind of 1960s brutalist modernist I'm gonna love it. office space the computers look like they're from the 60s it's just bizarre talk like it's a lot of money me, talk to me more about old gear i love it you would love it like yeah. it just it's, it looks old phenomenal but it's just such an interesting idea for a gear. for a show you know it's yeah. kind of like a, a there's it's funny it's heartfelt it's there's a sort of thrilling element to it okay Well, Severance. I've only watched the first couple of episodes, but I'm in. Okay. And, yeah, I actually had someone message me in the bang box. It was either the bang box or Twitter saying, Sam, I feel like I'm the only person watching Severance. Can you please talk about it? So this is for you but also for anybody else who's watching it. It's on Apple TV. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. There's a little train horn. It's a train horn to (laughs) to signal and herald the end
0: of our podcast. (laughs) Probably couldn't hear it, but there it is. (coughs)
1: A little bit more lyrical than that.
0: Good.
1: I love it. Working from home life. See, when you work from home, there truly is no separation between work no. and life balance. No, I can see the benefits and the downfall of,
0: of, of severing your brain in that sense.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to dig into here, particularly in the world that we're currently living in. But yeah, highly recommend. It's okay, good. Great. But you will find me in front of the TV watching Byron Bays for the next week. So <laughs> we'll catch up on that next week too. <laughs> See if my feelings change around Jade. Yeah. I'm sure that I'll love and hate them all in equal measure at various points yeah. in various <laughs> episodes. Um,
0: And can I just say big love to anyone out there who's experiencing some really tough times at the moment with the floods in Australia. Um, we are thinking I'm of... in northern New South Wales. Yeah, and there's, exactly. There's not much that, that, you know, we've been able to do from here. But um, hopefully if you are listening, you may not have the time, but if you are, that it's, this is a bit of of joy in your life something that's managed to take your mind off it because I can imagine it's pretty awful at the moment so yeah. yeah
1: we're sending you a really really big hug and hopefully a couple of silly laughs yeah this week and we'll see you always next here week. for that always here for being silly duffers <laughs> see you baby yeah